Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Patrick Curry, who's the president of Allegiance Title Company of Arkansas. It's a business that's doing some pretty amazing things in the title space here in NWA. And more importantly, they're doing some pretty cool stuff when it comes to innovating their industry. It's a great conversation. I visited Patrick at his office. It is an office space, so there is a little bit of background noise. Just hang in there and enjoy because this is a pretty amazing conversation. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're starting off our 2022 series. I've mentioned we have some incredible guests on the show this year. Uh, I, I can't wait to share them all with you. And again, if you're a first-time listener to the podcast, don't forget, this is the place where you're going to get that good, tangible, practical advice on how to run your business better, to get more customers, and frankly, just take away the stress that comes with running a business. That's right. You can remove stress stress, even during a time like COVID, where we're all thinking, what the heck's going to happen next? So for today's guest, we're sitting down with Patrick Curry. He's the president of Allegiance Title Company. He's been in the title company for quite a while. He's an incredible business owner. He's also an amazing leader. He has all sorts of amazing stories, and he's going to be sharing them with us today. Patrick, it's great to have you on the show today. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. First of all, I appreciate you coming on the show today because, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, so the podcast has, has had all sorts of amazing guests on it. But with 2022, I was thinking, I really want to get like, like the, the A team on the podcast. And, um, I've really admired you. Um, you're somebody who, you know, here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, which for those of you listening, you've ever heard me mention it before. This is where Walmart's headquartered. It's where Tyson's headquartered. It's this really awesome, um, just this really cool, uh, area. Are you from here, by the way? I'm not from here. I actually, I grew up in Colorado, moved here about 15 years ago, but it's, it is, it's an incredible area. And I feel like it's, it's a lot like, Colorado in some respects, you know, no one's from here anymore because so many people are moving in. So I have to ask, so you moved to, so now I feel like it's cool to move to NWA. You moved here 15 years ago. It was not cool. Yeah. So (laughs) So what, why did you move here? So it was actually for a job at Waco. And I remember, um, yeah, I was, I was really kind of praying for a change. I was working 80, 90 hour weeks. And there's one morning I was heading home at about two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, back when there was uh, voicemails on your answering machines uh, you know, at home, you know, a landline. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, praying for change. The following night, there was a voicemail on my answering machine saying, hey, there's this job out in Northwest Arkansas. Do you, you know, would you have any interest? And you know, normally I would have said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my wife's from the area, and I've been praying about it. And it was something that uh, when it came up, she said, you know, I'm going to check it out. And so I came out here, and it was an incredible opportunity. I looked at it and just said, you know, I, I can't say no to this. But I talked mm-hmm. to the partner in Denver said, Hey, I'm moving to this place called Northwest Arkansas. It's this kind of up and coming place. And he said, you're moving from Denver where? 
And uh, I said, no, it really is a great place. It, it, it has been. It's just been a tremendous yeah. place to, to have a family. And you know, we came here with no kids. I've got four now. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it's, it's been a fantastic move. So I'm coming up with number kid number two uh-huh. here in a couple months. And so um, one already feels like literally insane. And so I'll probably have to call you or something and get. <laughs> yeah, two is not too bad. We tried for three. You got three and four. So Okay. Oh, so you have twins. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm a twin. Okay. So. I always feel like a connection for some reason. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever. But so you've, I mean, you've had to, I mean, this area has to have changed tremendously in the last 15 years. Um, I mean, is that, I've heard stories of that. I've heard people mention like, yeah, it's so much different today. Is, is that accurate or is that just what sort of old timers like to say about NWA? Yeah, you know, I, it's, there's a lot of similarities to this uh, area as Colorado Springs when I was growing up. You know, we're kind of right on the edge of uh, some different developments. And then I remember as a child, you know, just seeing everything just develop around me. And I've, I've seen that here. And, and I hear people talk about, oh, I remember when this was just a field. And, you know, so we're, yeah, I see that. In my 15 years here, I've seen, I've seen more uh, professional businesses and organizations uh, come in. And so it's been really nice to see, to see that and just see the different uh, organizations that do come in and just the breadth of it all too. And also the growth of the, the large organizations that we have here, you know, I always brag when I leave this area and talk about, you know, largest retailer, largest mm-hmm. firm, largest protein producer, and they've grown the last 15 years has been transformative for them too. It's, it's right. huge. I think it's, it's definitely surprising to people when I mention because all sorts of guests who come on the podcast are from literally all over, not just in the USA, but in, in other countries as well. And I mentioned, you know, when I mentioned the Walmart connection, they're typically like, oh, yeah, Walmart. But um, I was telling one lady who she was like, OK, Arkansas, where is that again? And I was like, oh, you know, it's and I mentioned a couple of details. And she was like, you know, I drove through Phoenix the other day and I was like. Okay. And at first I was like, why are you telling me this? And then I realized I was like, that's Arizona, which was such a strange comment for her to make. And she was like, right, right. So anyway, I'm all for people hearing more about it, learning more about it. And uh, I'm always impressed when people, uh, we moved here probably, I guess about actually about nine years ago now, but it feels like that decade mark, 15 years, as you said, it's always, um, pretty impressive that people chose to come here before it became kind of like the hipster place. Um, but something I wanted to talk to you about today, one of the reasons I had you on the show and for our listeners, you know, I mentioned how Patrick has, uh, so many great, um, just experiences at, at leading a uh, fairly large title company before moving on to Allegiance today. Um, and Patrick, one of the reasons I, I wanted you on the show today is I've been seeing you post quite a bit of content on LinkedIn on um, really innovation in the title industry. And this is pretty interesting to me. And I think it's interesting for our listeners because a lot of times when we think about innovation, we think about um, like high tech in the sense of like, even like tech companies, like using AI, um, just very like app focused things. And I was intrigued because I think it's always empowering for us as business owners to realize that innovation is something accessible. In fact, something we should be focused on, uh, even in a business that isn't a high tech business. Um, so I'd love just to like open up the floor to kind of what What's going on at Allegiance? You know, what drew you to this business? You know, what are you excited about? It's like a, you know, very open-ended question, but let's just dive into that. 
So, you know, got into the business with really no plan and, you know, 15 years ago. And I remember driving around with the president of the company at the time then. And I remember asking him, what is the title policy? And I don't know why he didn't fire me on the spot because I <laughs> clearly had not done my homework. Organization, but as I came on, there was just a lot of need for different process changes. And a lot of times innovation, people think about it as like a technology or a software or something that's that's brand new that no one's ever thought of before. But most of innovation is process. It's process improvement. It's, mm. it's actually refining process. And so we had a lot of opportunity there to refine process. And at my previous title company that I was at, we I do believe we had a lot of really great process in place. And very regimented. It just felt very structured. It was, it was really, really good. So I you know, enjoy that side of it. Um, innovation, though, in this industry, it's very paper intensive. And we do a lot of research. We, we have the benefit of looking backwards in history to insure the future, which you know, auto insurers don't. They're always insuring the future. And so uh, ours, the more efficient that we get at collecting all that data and analyzing it, and then we can make better decisions going forward. And so there's a lot of innovation that I see there, and we've gotten into software. And so one of the things that, that we are involved with is a, a um, software company that actually holds the data that all of the real estate documents go into. Now, it's one thing you can contain the data. You think of like an oil tank, uh, it's a storage tank. And so right now we have a storage tank for all the data. But after you have data and you have the storage, you have to refine it. And so you hear a lot about data analytics and like, how do you refine those things? And so if you go back to thinking about it like oil, when you refine oil, it turns into gasoline, jet fuel, kerosene. And so we're trying to look at doing those, those sorts of things as well. And so we have a couple of technologies that we've looked at and, uh, and operated with in, involving OCR and AI to analyze documents. And so within the next few months, we're going to be implementing one of those technologies to build a data set. And so when I say data set, it's really just a set of data that we can go back and start to insure property on, on this particular county. And so we're doing that uh, here in Northwest Arkansas, really small footprint, but you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just, it's a really exciting opportunity to do that. So help me, I mean, as someone who's so green in the title industry, in the sense of like, I, I bought, I bought a house and I knew I needed to, you know, work with a title company, right? And that's, that's about the limit of, uh, and I remember my real estate agent, my realtor, um, like I came in, I signed a bunch of documents and then he was frustrated because something was done wrong. I have no idea. I have no concept of this. So even hearing you talk about this, it's, it's fully over my head in the sense of like, okay, I, so, so like you're talking about like, you know, refining data, creating this data set. And that being um, sort of a deliberate piece of the work you do in the future, how did people, how are other businesses doing it or how was it done previously? Like what's, what's the comparison there? Yeah. What's funny is that it really hasn't changed that much. It, previously, what was done is, is all real estate documents are recorded down at the county and title companies get these real estate documents and they put, they post them in books. And if you could imagine going into a library and just seeing book, you know, book after book and people standing over these books and going through them looking for documents, that actually <laughs> still happens today. Wow. <laughs> and well, what we've done since then has been able to put it into a database. And so what we do uh, now is we, we just try to ensure that when you purchase a home, you actually own it. And when you get a loan, that that lender is actually first in priority to secure their, their property, their loan. 
And there's a lot of things that have to happen for that to occur. It's, it's a very complex, complicated process to transfer property. You think about when you go to the store and purchase a, you know, a coffee, there's a transaction happening there. It's all behind the scenes. Visa mm-hmm. is taking care of that. There's right. this transaction component that happens. The title company is the exact same way, but for property. And in the grand scheme of things, we step back, we are, it's a really efficient process to transfer property. But when you really break it down and look at it, there's so much manual process that goes in. There's, there's actually someone physically mm. looking at each document saying, does the prior owner have the right to sell this property? And then there's additional research on top of that. And this is where, you know, everyone's like, well, yeah, I can see they own that. That's, that's really easy. That's, that's, you know, that should be super simple. Well, then I'd ask you, you know, did the person pay their child support that previously owned the home? Because if they didn't, that could attach to your property and you could be liable in the future if that's not covered, you know, taken care of. That's what title companies do. And so what we also do is we clean up the records, we find mistakes, we take care of issues. And there's just so much that can go wrong in the process that, you know, things happen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people get involved. And those mistakes we constantly go back correct and we're trying to do our best job to make sure the records going forward are really really clean Mm -hmm. and eventually that all goes right back into the data and you know in the form of of documents and you think about a pdf and what all Mm -hmm. things look like we just have one really big library of real estate records in our county so does it it, and this is like totally my own bias so i don't know if this is actually accurate or not but it, it does like you sort of joked about um you know and just just to make the analogy a bit ridiculous for the sake of the podcast you know again i envision someone going into like sort of this dusty library-esque type of place and like you know the shelves are stacked with these ledgers that they're you know pulling down and checking or what have you but um compared to a world that's becoming incredibly autonomous it from the get-go it automatically sounds very inefficient or at least the opportunity for um you know if a human is checking every step the opportunity for human error is exponentially increasing with every single checkpoint getting back to what I was really going to ask you was it, it feels like businesses that are not intrinsically technological, it can be hard to be deliberate to make that shift towards using technology, using software, like what you mentioned, um, being autonomous, uh, has that been accurate in the title industry or yeah, it's a, one of the things that we really struggle with in this industry is I've always done it that way. And sure. I love when I hear that because to me, there's so much room for improvement when I hear that. And so we always look for opportunities of, you know, whenever someone's like, we've always done it that way, ask why, why have we done it that way? And sometimes it makes sense that, you know, we continue to do that, but also with innovation, I always come up with, I wish, I wish that this would be easier. I wish that this was much more efficient. And so you start thinking about those I wish moments and that's where we've seen innovation really come mm. because then it starts to, you, know, you just start to brainstorm of like all the possibilities that, that could happen. Mm-hmm. And to me, I love change. I love innovation. And I just see so much more room for improvement and process. And ultimately it's, it should bring consumer prices down. It should make things more efficient. Uh, you know, sometimes people look at this like, well, what are you going to do? And, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about coming up with the idea and then I'll figure out what we'll do with that idea. Yeah. I for sure. Want to, I want to be the one mm-hmm. on the cusp of finding the idea. Yeah. You remind me of um, a boss I had uh, that, you know, Chuck Hyde. Um, he had a great expression of um, what would it take? So like you have an idea, okay, what would it take 
for things to be this way. And I always really admired that because I think the, you know, the comment on, um, that's how we always have done it. I think everyone listening immediately resonated with that. Um, because we've all had a boss who said that we've all been on a team where that's been the sort of the status quo and maybe even ourselves, you know, feeling a little guilty have realized, you know, Hey, I've even maybe said that in the past, um, but you said something that I think was really interesting uh, and maybe a little scary. You said, I love change, which a lot of people don't love change. A lot of people, I think, I think especially for frontline employees or maybe even like middle managers, when people at the top are rolling out immersive, um, even company wide changes, it can be really scary. It can be really, um, petrifying, even, you know, when you are the person at the top thinking this makes your life so much easier. Uh, it's not uncommon to find quite a bit of pushback or resistance because people are thinking like, what is this, what's this going to mean for my, my day to day? Talk to me a little bit about, you know, managing people through change. Uh, Absolutely. I've, I've learned a lot over the years on that. And, you know, as younger in my career, I would push out change. I would see the idea from start to finish and just say, I, I see it. I know where we're going and I would implement the change. And inevitably that would backfire on me because even though we might actually, it might be a really good change. I didn't involve various people in the process. And I think that's always really critical. And something that I learned was going out and getting feedback from, from several different individuals. How will this affect you? I think there's a balance there. You can't go out and, and seek uh, by committee everyone's feedback because then you'll get, you'll start to get some of that feedback of, well, we shouldn't change that here. Mm-hmm. And so it's taking in that feedback from individuals of how it's going to affect them and then making the changes and making sure that as you do make a change that you're accounting for that concern and then, then you, do you implement it? And I think one of the other things that we discovered too is that the first two weeks of a change, it's always really, really hard. It's new. It's different. You're working through process. There's things that'll come up that you had no idea would come up. Right. And as you process through that, it's so easy to go back to what you did before. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that it's comfortable, very comfortable. And if you can, if you can get over that initial hump, then afterwards, you know, if you can realize change, it's amazing how I've done this you know, a month or two later, I'll go back and say, Hey, do you want to go back to the way they were doing it? We were doing it before. And I've, I've heard no way. Absolutely <laughs> not. And so I love that. And, and that's mm. the part of change I do like. And, and when I say I love change, I'm not thinking about disruptive, you know, not being careful or structured. How you, do. you have to be very structured. Yeah. Change. Not being reckless, right? Change for the sake of change. Or... Absolutely. And so, yeah, people do crave, they want to have stability. They want to know what they're doing and why. And see so if mm-hmm. people explain those things. But I just think you, you never can be complacent. And that's that's the part of change that I love. It's like I'm never complacent and never want to be and always want to know what mm-hmm. can we do better. You know, you've been in the title industry 15 years. Uh, there's plenty of story. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone would um, like openly say, yeah, I'm pretty complacent. But it... it uh, just the hunger and passion that you very clearly have. It is a bit surprising to me in the sense of it's, it's so almost to the point of a clicheism where someone's in an, an industry, you know, for a decade and they're indifferent or they're burnt out on it. Or, and, you know, in fact, a lot of people listening to this podcast are, they're looking for something new. Right. And so I think it's, um, intriguing how excited you are about the title industry. H- how do you stay hungry and passionate 
in an industry that's you've been in for over a decade in a world where people change jobs, you know, like a drop at the drop of a hat. Um, yeah, I do think that there is something to be said for staying focused in a particular area and becoming an, an expert in that area. So that's part of, of, as I've done that over time, you know, there's, you peel back the layers of this industry. And I think this is really any industry that's out there. It, everybody talks like their industry is the most complex or the hardest. <laughs> right. No <Or my>, one <laughs> realizes how hard my business is. And yeah. once you get on the other side of the fence, you realize everyone's got the same problems. Yeah, exactly. So our, this industry is, it's the same way. But as you peel back the, the layers of the complexity, you just realize there's so much to do, so much that can be done. And that's the part that I really enjoy and like it is the complexity of it all. You know, before this, I was in, I was in taxes and I did tax returns for, for large real estate clients. And that was complex. And I, I liked the complexity of that, I liked peeling back the layers. And so that's the passion for me is, is seeing the complexity of it. And then just every day, just seeing like there's so much more to do mm-hmm. and there's so much more good work to do. And so that's the part that just, it gets me excited and just, just to see that. It's gotta be exciting for your team. For the boss to be, you know, showing yeah. up excited. I mean, and this sounds like common sense, right? It's And it's one of the things that's really funny about the podcast is, like, I've had people who've listened and been like, yeah, there's really not anything groundbreaking. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, there really isn't. Like, there's nothing really, like, um, mind-blowing about a boss showing up every day and, like, hungry and excited. But at the same time, it it's a bit of a rarity. So, I mean, that, that's got to be great for your team, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been told I have a little too much energy in the morning. Okay, but yeah, I think my mindset is I'm always trying to stay a day ahead, a week ahead of where the group is or where the team is, and so we're trying to make sure that we're always just thinking, uh, you know, thinking a little bit, a little bit further down the line. And I'm trying to trying to stay ahead of the group, which to do that it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I do believe that you know part of leadership is it's bringing energy to the team and thinking through you know how is it that we are going to stay motivated towards this task and in business for me we're trying to pursue perfection and we're trying to pursue that that next innovation we're trying to pursue this thing that's way out in the future it's the horizon we'll never ever get there. And it's a matter of, to me, it's always been motivating along the way to, to see the horizon, keep moving there. But I think, you know, from time to time, we step back, we look backwards to see how far we've come. And so that's some of the, the energy that we talk about and, and, uh, and try and bring to the team here. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, coming in, I've been told, uh, I've got nicknames, uh, you know, last name's Curry, I've been called Mr. Hurry. Because things can't happen fast enough or, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a short enough amount of time. But it's just that's just who I am. What's it feel like? I mean, you you've um, you know, uh, Allegiance is, is brand new to our area. I mean, that's it's got to scratch an entrepreneurial itch in some way. Right. I mean, I'm assuming you have you're getting to flex those entrepreneurial muscles. I'm assuming there's sort of like a blank canvas in the sense of. You know, what do I want to see happen with this business? Um, tell me more about just sort of like the the creative aspect of what you've been able to accomplish or what you're excited about uh, for this business. Absolutely. The, the itch, you know, I, I think there's entrepreneurs do have that itch that, you know, true entrepreneurs have this idea of like, hey, I'm going to do this or I've got this in my mind. And I had that and I had it for, for years really. And really it kind of came to, to a head this past year of you know, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Mm. 
And for me, I, the mantra keeps coming back was I chose to create over being comfortable. Mm. And so that was, that was really a kind of the focus uh, this past year was to make that decision of whether I am going to really you know choose to create. And so did that. And yeah, f- I guess flexing the entrepreneurial muscle, it's definitely been, uh, it's, it's been fun. It's been rewarding at times. It's been challenging at times. There's been, uh, definitely different emotions. I've definitely worked harder than I've, I've previously worked before, but it's been fun to like actually make progress and see things happen and then know, you know, there's not a group of individuals or, um, you know, I'm just you know, coming out of a large organization. It's just right. nice to be in a, in a small boat. And so going from 250 employees right. to five, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been um, a very big change and it's definitely required me to look at things a different way. And, you know, hiring mm-hmm. is one of those things where previously we were hiring, we hired 80 people in one year. My mindset of hiring them was, hey, we have to onboard people as, you know, we have to get bodies into the system, good people. Mm-hmm. We need to train them up the right way. Now, as we're hiring people, we're hiring people very differently. We're having to hire people that have, that can wear multiple hats. Mm-hmm. And so our hiring process is much more critical now. Someone I may have hired before mm-hmm. doesn't fit here. And it's because we're trying to do something different. We, you know, as we say, we're remarkable is one of our core values. So to do that, we're having to look at people do things very differently. And, and really it's, it's, it's been, that's been the biggest challenge is finding those people that do want a remarkable experience that can come to the table and wear multiple hats, have grit, have, you know, entrepreneurism and choose to create over being comfortable. And that's, that's a rarity. And that's something that so many people, when it comes down to it, and I fell in that camp for years was, I I think I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. It's always next year. Oh yeah. It's always going to be next year. But then you know, once you choose to create, it's, it's a pretty free. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a gut punch to some of our listeners. Cause we have people who are probably listening right now who they fall in that camp. Uh, and if, and, and if that's you, that's, it's no disrespect to you, but I mean, I have a friend of mine who it, that is his story is, Hey, I'm going to start this business. And I mean, he's been about to start it for, I mean, it has to be five or six years now. Um, what, was there a moment that like pushed you, like you mentioned how you had been comfortable for a while and then you're like, okay, I think, I think I want to flex this muscle. I think I want to do this. And we can all resonate with this tipping point. Um, I can think of it from my own journey where I was like, am I really going to do this? And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, talk to me about like familial support, you know, support from your wife, friends. I mean, how did this conversation go that gave you the right mindset to be like, yes, I am going to do this. And I'm really excited about doing this. Yeah, absolutely. There was, I had a lot of different people that uh, granted me wisdom, you know, throughout the, the process. And, and I definitely, I, I would recommend that, you know, if it's something that you're choosing to do. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's a lot of, of great, great jobs out there where you can make a big difference and, you know, it's comfortable. And I was, um, and, and had that great support system. And so to do this, you know, for whatever reason, I've just had this, this itch. Um, and I've had, you know, I couldn't be content with, mm. without that, you know, a lot of change. And so I reached out, I've got a, a you know, mentor here in town. That's a, the CEO of an organization, another entrepreneur. And he pushed me, um, in both directions. He said, I don't know if you're ready for it because you're not talking like an entrepreneur. You're not thinking like, one. Mm. and so to me, that was a, a, a real challenge to, to think about, you know, what is my motivation in this? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, my spouse was, ex- uh, Sarah, extremely uh, supportive and just 
said, Hey, when, when you're ready and there was never a doubt, never, yeah. how are we going to do this? Uh, yeah. you know, no doubt. And so, so thankful for that, for that support. And then I did hear other voices of like, what are you doing? Mm. Why would you leave? Yeah. You know, such a, such a wonderful job. And it was, it's a, a great organization I left and, and really nothing wrong with the organization. And for me, the, the day that changed my mind was it was a vision and it was a vision of the organization of I said, Hey, this is where I've been taking the organization the last 10 years. This is where I want to go. And the response was, you know, we hadn't really ever thought about the vision for your organization, but that's not the direction we want to go. Hmm. And so when that came about and, and it wasn't, wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a, a real negative conversation. It was just, mm-hmm. it was a very, it's clarity more than anything. Mm-hmm. So once I had that clarity of, of said, you know, Hey, like now I understand the organization that I've been at, they have a, a completely different direction and vision, which isn't wrong. Yeah. And it's just different than what yeah. I wanted to go. You know, it's, it's definitely a rarity having that spouse support, as you mentioned, um, I've been very blessed to have that same support where my wife from day one was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know? Um, but it is a rarity because I know a lot of entrepreneurs, they are navigating that, that pressure pressures. Maybe, maybe pressure might have a bit of a negative, um, um, I can't get the word, uh, negative, uh, implication to it, but, um, feeling that internal tension. So that's definitely a, a great blessing. Um, do you feel like you think like an entrepreneur now? Like going back to what your mentor, your mentor mentioned to you? Certainly. And I, and I think I, I always have thought like an entrepreneur. It's, it's a whole kind of GSD. I get stuff done. <laughs> uh, and and I've, I've always had that. Um, but, you know, I didn't. I had the comfort component to it. Yeah. And, and now mm-hmm. it definitely steps up outside of the comfort component. And, have you know, you have to earn it every single day. Yeah. And so that's definitely something that um, it, it's just been interesting though, as, as I have stepped out every single day, there's been something that's been provided, whether it's, it's an order, it's a, a uh-huh. customer that calls, uh, it's meeting the right person at the right time. It just, when you look back, you just see like, Hey, there's, there's always a way and mm. there's great people out there that, that have great businesses that go out and, and start. And so, yeah, I believe if you're, if you're working hard and you're bringing something remarkable, something different to the market, it's going to succeed. And so mm. having faith in that success and just realizing like, you know, Hey, if we, if we do the work, you know, it will happen. And we're seeing that we see that pay off. And so that's been rewarding. Uh, it's been fun to see it on, on the front end because it starts, it, you know, starts from zero. Mm. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that momentum at first is a little bit difficult, but as you get a little bit of momentum and I'm seeing that already just within the first 90 days uh-huh. and we're at about, you know, day 90 and it just, you start to see that it starts to build and, mm. And we're seeing it build right now, but of course you, you got mm. to maintain the momentum. Well, I mean, you got to love the agility of being a smaller business, right? Where like you get to make a decision and immediately begin building the plans to make that decision carry out as opposed to, you know, for better or worse, I think we can all resonate with that larger business where, you know, the decisions get made, um, you know, by committee almost, even when you are the decision maker, it seems like you need more and more people as you grow to sign off on things or to give their insight on things. And, um, it's why one of the reasons I love being an entrepreneur and I love working with entrepreneurs is because they're, they're just so much quicker and it can be really frustrating to, especially in a time like COVID where, you know, businesses have really needed to turn on a hat and then not having that, 
that speed um, can be really painful. Um, so I, I imagine you're really jo- enjoying that element. Yeah, that part of it I am. It's, it, that has been really nice to just be able to, to stick and move. And you're just constantly, uh, you're able to make decisions. And I'd say definitely the, the big change for me was I came from a larger organization. And it's not, you're not making slow decisions on purpose. It's right. You're trying to you know, get everyone's input. You're trying to get... Uh, you're trying to build goodwill with with individuals and make sure it's part of the culture, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you're a smaller organization, then you have the agility, and it has been nice, and and you can make a good decision or a bad decision. And um, you know, but the nice thing is when you make a bad decision, you have the ability to correct it very quickly. Yeah. And so that's that's been that's been wonderful. Yeah. So so Patrick, what's what's the vision for Allegiance? Like, where do you where do you see this going? Where do you see even like maybe your personal journey going? Yeah. So for, for, yeah, this business in general, like I want to change it and I want to, you know, I want to leave an impact. And that's as we talk as a team here is we feel like we will have success if we make a change in the industry. And I feel like I've done this all along the way, you know, previously, I'm sure that, you know, all the listeners on here would say, you know, if you step back and really look at ideas and things that you've done in the industry, there's small things that you've delivered that have changed the industry. And so I think that we can do that here. And what we're going to do is I want to make it more efficient and I want to do that through technology. And that's why we've, we've uh, got the interest in the, in the software company. And I want to start introducing other technologies like OCR, AI, and then I want to keep delivering that until I can finally deliver a product that is much, much more efficient. And even if it's on a really small scale, I'm okay with that. I'm okay <laughs> if it's in one little county in Arkansas. Because if I can make a difference here, to me, that's that's the biggest thing is just making a difference, making an impact to where it changes changes the industry. Now, if that were to expand and it becomes you know more on a national level, so be it. But I believe you have to make a change somewhere, and so this is where we're mm-hmm. choosing to do it. Well, it's really interesting. You're you're um, you know thinking about you like in terms of like professionally, you know, you were um, CEO at a uh, you know, you mentioned 250 employees, a, a larger, um, title company. And as we talk about legacy and future, you mentioned, you know, if I can just help one County, um, it's, it's a bit, uh, of a, uh, upside down funnel, I guess, in the sense of it, it does feel like people are always thinking like what's now the grander thing. And so I, I think not so much a question. I just, I'm just intrigued by your humility on, you know, it's not about now, you know, a bigger title or a bigger position, but you know, if I can just help, um, you know what I'm saying? You see kind of like the, it's, it's not a disconnect. It's just, it's, it's counter in countercultural, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's a cultural disconnect. Yeah. And especially, well, especially in today's social media world, LinkedIn, what have you, I and mean, people are always, you know, what's the next thing I can share about? What's the next big thing? Um, and, and obviously I, I don't want to come across in a rude way of like, you're doing something smaller now, it, it is much larger in terms of the amount of work you're putting in, the creativity you're having to bring to the table, but it's, it is countercultural in terms of uh, how you just described it, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's where you, know, <laughs> Excuse you, can, me. you can fall into the trap of what you're, what you should do hmm. and what you're supposed to do. And what I should have done and what I was supposed to do was to continue down the path of growth, bigger, you know, and just continue down that 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 cultural path of a, a bigger title, mm-hmm. keep growing the company, make it make you know make it bigger. And really, for me, it was a step back. It was a step back in vision 
to say, if I'm going to do something different and make a change, this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, and I will say, like, I'm talking about one county right now. That's not my final vision. Right. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> I want that to expand, but you've got to start somewhere. That's sure. the first step is I want to see that. I want to see it happen. I love this area. I love the community. Mm-hmm. And I want to make a change. And I, I believe once I make that change, that that will continue to grow mm-hmm. and, and, you know, grow my team here it does feel like people who really um discover lightning in a bottle they they become all the more hungry about not just innovation in the industry but just seeing the problems that are rising up in the industry and being committed and passionate about i really want to solve that which i think is important for all of us listening because a lot of entrepreneurs get into entrepreneurship not because they're solving a an industry problem in many cases it's about solving a me problem. I'm unhappy with my job. I'm unhappy. Uh, I had one person, they were like, yeah, I really want to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, what do you think that means? And he's like, well, I mean, no one tells you what to do and you sleep in as late as you want. And I just was like, okay, wow, you are in for a rude awakening, but it's, it's very selfish focused. And the people who've come on the podcast, who've gone on to grow these really amazing businesses have this, this similarity, to what you're saying, which is I just, I, I, I was no longer comfortable with the problems that are common in our industry. Um, so I, I think that that bodes well for what you're doing at Allegiance. Yeah. So we're excited. It's uh, it's definitely, we're first step in the journey. And, and again, it's like, it's, it's just a, it's in its infancy right now. And we're seeing that, but you've had some success. And, and one of the things that I would say, as far as success and on the software side of things is we actually have had a national client come on board and give us seed money, um, to, and move all of their national data onto our platform. And so for us, that was, that's a validation in that, Hey, we're yeah. going down the right path. Yeah. Wow. So I see that. And, uh, so that's just one of those things that, um, if we can keep up that momentum, then uh, I think that hopefully I'll be on your podcast yeah. maybe 10 years from now. Yeah. And, uh, and you'll come back and play something. Hey, remember how small you were? And uh, I can say I you know, accomplished yeah. what we're trying to do and making a difference. We, we tend to bring people on sooner than that. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully in the next five years. But um, yeah, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for your time today. For people who are listening who they're thinking two things, they're thinking, man, I really want to find out more about Allegiance. And they're also thinking maybe they even maybe want to connect with you. What are the best ways for them to do that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is probably, is probably the best way. So if you look me up on there, it's Patrick Curry on LinkedIn and you'll see me at Allegiance title. It's Allegiance title of Arkansas is the, is the brand that we have on there. And again, we're just getting started. So it's uh, we have a little bit of content out there and, and uh, looking to expand that. Those are two of the best ways. And then always email. So that's P Curry at Allegiance title.com. Great. Well, Patrick, again, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to make sure I put the link to his LinkedIn. It's going to be down in the episode description below as as well as the Allegiance website. Um, Remember, you can email him at pcurry at allegiancetitle.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you've been following the podcast, by the way, if this was your first time listening and you enjoyed the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button, click the follow button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, if you love the podcast, you want to support the podcast, you can buy me a cup of coffee at 
uh, our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice for as little as $5. You can support the podcast on a monthly basis. We really appreciate it. Hey, we're going to continue to bring you amazing guests in 2022. I cannot tell you how excited I am about some of these guests who are coming on this year. And I wish you well on your entrepreneurial journey and good luck. And we'll continue to bring you good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.